Hey Mitch, get over here and record the Drift Dad again, eh? Today's episode is brought to you in part by Drift Outfitters in downtown Toronto, Ontario. Drift Outfitters is your source for all things fly fishing. From waders and boots to thread and feathers, Drift has it all. Check their website for their latest updates and policies regarding shopping during the pandemic. Curbside pickup for your online and phone orders is a great way to get the gear you need. And they're shipping for free across Canada on orders over 175 bucks. Visit driftoutfitters.com to learn more. Drift Outfitters fitters.com Hello, welcome to another episode of SoFly. It is uh, the end of February and we're recording another episode. Uh, my name is Mitch and we've got Aldo. Hello. We've got Yelma. Hello, everyone. And we're very excited today to be chatting with a very special guest on the show. Uh, Erica Nelson is based in Ute Territory, currently known as Crested Butte, Colorado. She's the co-founder of Real Consulting, Real standing for Reconcile, Evolve, Advance, Lead. She's an Orvis-endorsed fly fishing guide, and she's the host of the Awkward Angler podcast. She has over 10 years of outdoor guiding and instructing from whitewater rafting to skiing, rock climbing, backpacking, hiking, and snowshoeing courses and workshops. She's an ambassador for Brown Folks Fishing, which is uh, cultivates community for people of color and fishing and the fishing industry all through the lens of equity, justice, and inclusion. In 2019, Real Consulting co-created the Angling for All Pledge in partnership with BFF. The pledge, along with part of Erica's story, was actually recently featured in a wonderful article in the New York Times. Uh, today, Erica is on SoFly. Erica, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. We're stoked to chat because um, we actually have like a mutual friend, uh, Demisha from Brown Girl Outdoor World. Yeah, I'm super stoked about that. Oh yeah, no, it's so good. And we like before we recorded, we were just chatting about how you might. Uh, well, you are coming up here, I think, this summer. Uh, September. September. Mm-hmm. September. Yeah, in the fall for for some trip. I just got excited to invite myself, so <laughs> we'll be heading up there. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, I mean, so it exciting. sounds like we'll be doing going up to Tomogamy, which is about four hours north of Toronto, and fishing the Lady Evelyn for brookies together. Sweet. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, and one one thing, did I pronounce Ute territory and Crested Butte correctly? Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, you got it. Okay, Butte. cool. I just kind of jumped in and I was like, I hope this is right. I Googled it, but I just wanted to make sure. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah whereabouts are you, where are you calling in from today? Uh, yeah, so I'm in Crested Butte right now, which is kind of, um, so Colorado has like the front range, which is Denver, which typically everyone knows Denver, <laughs> but I'm about yeah. five hours west of denver and up in the rockies so yeah kind of in a remote area which is pretty great (laughs) and like what's the fishing like this time of year is there fishing like in the winter there (laughs) there is yeah there's year-round fishing there's um tailwaters coming from the taylor reservoir dam so um it's pretty consistent year-round which is nice there's some really huge fish in there but right now like i went out yesterday and i got totally (laughs) skunked so it's a little slow (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a little slow, but I think it's going to pick up here in the next uh, few weeks as the temperatures start to warm up. So I'm looking start forward to warm, it. Start to warm, yeah. Is yeah. there like There's a ton a of snow? Of... Like, are you hiking through like crazy amounts of snow? I know in the article, the New York Times article, you mentioned, <laughs> you know, having to like traverse through like wintry landscapes. Is it really like that right now? 
Yeah, there's still a ton of snow, especially yesterday. There was um, some postaling going on yesterday up to my thighs. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah it's, it can be pretty gnarly to get to the water. Um, yeah, but it's it's doable. Yeah. And the more people that are out there, it kind of forms a path. So it's not that right. difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there like a, I mean, I, I know very little about like runoff, but I understand that it exists. Like, is there like a, a cushion of time between winter and like spring yeah. melt where you get to like fish hardcore <laughs> yeah you know not as much as i did when i lived in wyoming there's like a mm. like a beautiful spot <laughs> in wyoming but here i haven't quite figured out i did a lot of traveling for work so i was kind of gone during that season so i'm hoping to figure it out this year but i hear june is our runoff season so i think like april might be the sweet spot <laughs> nice yeah and May. Nice. Yeah. yeah that's kind of when it picks up well, that's, that is when it picks up for us up here because like we don't have trout fishing until the end of April. So I think we're yeah. all mutually looking forward to April, no doubt. Yeah, especially um, after my day yesterday, I'm looking forward to <laughs> yeah. more action. Just like total, <laughs> totally skunk. Well, actually, one thing yeah. I wanted to mention was in that article, you said like, you know, you fished all day in the snow and like we're climbing through the hills. And then at the end of the day, went back to the car and popped a bottle of champagne. I love that idea because <laughs> we we try to do that too, like work food and drink into like our fishing. And is that like, was yeah. that just like that day or was that like something you always kind of try to do? It was that day. It was New Year's Day. Um, and oh, I, had I got another, you. Yeah. yeah. And there was another oh, okay. fly fishing guy. Not a regular um, thing. Yeah, no, not a regular just thing. Just slamming champagne every time you go fishing. Every, that, I that love that idea. <laughs> I'm trying to do That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to slam champagne every time I go fishing. I think that's wicked. <laughs> that would be a lot of champagne. Maybe I could oh, get yeah. a sponsor. Okay, sponsor me champagne company. Champagne sponsor would be, on. that would be so good. Yeah, we're thinking I about this that. all wrong. Like, forget Orvis. We need Vogue on our side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? I need the Don Perry on sponsorship. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay, well, why don't we jump into, you know, like a, a little bit more about you and your background. Um, again, in that article, you mentioned that as a kid, you didn't really care much for fishing. Like you went out a couple of times and, and sorry, I hated it. It's like, how did you get into fly fishing later? And like, what was it that clicked about fly fishing? Oh, yeah. So I never really grew up outdoorsy. My parents got out maybe a few times a year. Like we did an annual camping trip with my mom's side of the family, which is pretty big. So like grandparents, aunts, uncles and stuff. And yeah, totally hated it. Um, I didn't mind the camping. It was just the fishing. It smelled and it was just gross. So I got frustrated because <laughs> I wasn't catching anything. Yeah. Um, you know, and it wasn't until, I mean, I was involved in sports, you know, call that outdoorsy. Um, but not until I was about um, maybe 23, I started getting into the outdoors um, through yoga, actually. So oh. I, yeah, I, I needed like one credit to like graduate <laughs> to get my uh, degree. Okay. And so I thought I'd just take a yoga class. And then I kind of sparked this what if I did this outside? And then it grew into backpacking, then it grew into hiking, you know, and all these other activities and things. And yeah. Um, eventually um, had a corporate career at one job, one time, and then I was like, you know, I really liked the outdoors, so I got into whitewater rafting, um, guided for a few summers out in California, and then, um, you know, I moved to Wyoming, um, and 
I used to play competitive disc golf and nice. um nice. there wasn't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there wasn't any disc golf courses in Lander uh where I moved to. There was one, but it wasn't really maintained. So it was kind of time to pick up a new hobby. Um but everyone that I worked with, like my coworkers, they all went fishing and there was like some um the Paposia River ran through town and it was pretty accessible, which I didn't think that it was that easy to get into because I had access to free gear and people that did it. So um, just kind of picked up a fly rod and got on YouTube and just kind of figured it out. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I mean, that's like the best way to do it. Just like kind of start figuring it out. Like what do you remember the first fish you caught on a fly rod and like that experience? Yeah, it probably wasn't until maybe a year later after trying to figure it out, uh, which yeah. is good because I don't even know what I would have done if I hooked a fish. But it was uh, it was on a boat. I ended up finding a, a fish mentor. Um, and so he started going out on his drift boat um, all over Wyoming, which was pretty sweet. And I just remember the first time catching on a streamer and it was just like my whole world just like lit up. <laughs> oh my God, it was yeah, the most incredible feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, the idea of I, learning I to fly fish in Wyoming to me is like so awesome. Like I'm just like, wow, what a beautiful place to like get into fly fishing, you know? Seriously? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's um no. it's pretty windy though, so I feel like it kind of made me a little bit of a better caster as well. So. Oh totally. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, learning in like the perfect place to like become great at fly yeah. fishing. Like what like what was it about like fly fishing that just like kinda had you hooked, so to speak? You know, they say the tug is the drug. Um, I think yeah, just totally. kind of this. <laughs> I think um, that adrenaline rush, um, you know, it's kind of like on this gambling schedule. I studied reinforcement and in psychology back in college. And, you know, it was like, it's totally that timing schedule of you don't know when you're going to hit like the jackpot, but yes. that like maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kind of so like cool. keeps you going back for more. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and then just a new way to experience um, the water um, and then a whole new perspective of, um, yeah, where our water comes from, how we treat it, conservation and, you know, just a whole new world of, um, I don't want to say issues, but concerns that I never really paid much attention to. So um, yeah. it's been a, a new, yeah, it's been eye opening in that realm. Yeah, it's certainly fly fishing certainly can get you exposed to a lot of issues, <laughs> but, uh, but also like yeah. a lot of passions. Right. So, um, you know, yeah. issues lead to, you know, what's that thing they say, find it, love it, protect it kind of, yeah, kind of mentality or that's kind of what we hope when we introduce people to fly fishing. Yeah. At least that's what we yeah. hope our podcast does is like, you know, make it kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 Also, I, I love, I also just love you explaining like how, uh, that idea of, what if, you know, like, I, like, no, I don't hear a lot of people like when we ask that question, because we usually ask, you know, what is you like about fly fishing? Not all people are like, oh, just like the the randomness of it. And I like I agree, like, that's so fun to know. Like when you go out, it's like every time's an adventure. You don't really know what's going to happen. And you have yeah. those days where you do hit the jackpot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. That's pretty great. Yeah. It's a good point. Such a cool, <laughs> such a cool way to think about it. Yeah. Even though no matter how many times you go out, it's always like this, like I, I'm always transported this like idea you know when i was a kid and you look in a lake because we kind of learned to fish on lakes instead of rivers and you know you're just like what is underneath the surface and then when mm -hmm. you catch a fish and you see it and you hold it you're like this is what's underneath the surface and you're like yeah what yeah. do you do all day who are you where did you come <laughs> from you know especially when you catch a pike or something it's just a little bit of a larger fish than a trout you know you're like 
wow, like, who are you? Where did you come from? What are you doing? Yeah. What is this? But yo, yo, that that hit I'm the sure jackpot thing. The same like, thing about us. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> exactly. Especially, especially when like I was just gonna say, Yoma, that like hit the jackpot feeling. Like it reminded me of that moment you had on the Credit River a few years ago. We have a video of you like netting a trout for Aldo, and like you lost your mind. <laughs> You're like, wow, like you just won a billion dollars. Like, you know, like, it was, yeah. <laughs> we'll send you the video. It's it's like a total jackpot winning moment. Please do. Yeah, I yeah. lost. Oh, that's amazing. I lost my shit the other week. Um, ice fishing. Um, and me and mm-hmm. a friend doubled up and it was like very exciting. But I was recording yeah. her pull up her fish. And in the meantime, I caught a fish. And so I just like threw the phone down. And yeah, it's it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, guys. Oh, God, we have so much to talk about. But let's start with maybe. Um, yeah, after. So we got fishing, enjoying fly fishing. Obviously, you have a guiding background. Was it kind of a natural... Uh, progression to just be like, well, I want to be a fly fishing guide as well because of your background in guiding like water, whitewater rafting, skiing, et cetera. Yeah. I, I like to say I'm a, I like to be mediocre at all things. <laughs> I at least like to try things <laughs> and at least be able to like do it on my own eventually um, mm-hmm. or at least be proficient in anything outdoors. So I've kind of had that, you know, since I got into the outdoors of trying new things and being able to not necessarily master it. That's never been the case because yeah. I don't think I'll ever get there, but at least being able to do it and teach it. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. So it just seemed very natural to like, oh, I should add flight fish guiding to the list. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, totally. And like, what was that like foray into, you know, that experience? Like, like what were some of the learning curves and challenges? I think well, which preface mm-hmm. is sorry to interrupt with in Ontario, you can mm-hmm. just say you're a guide. Like tomorrow yeah. I could be like, I'm a fly fishing guide. <laughs> like yeah. you don't, there's no certification. There's no, you know, there's insurance. So I guess basically if you get the insurance, you can be a guide, you know, that's kind of right. thing. Yeah. And so yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause I yeah. know some States you have to go through some sort of certification mm-hmm. process or whatever. Yeah. There's different States with different laws. Um, here in Colorado, you can also do the same of say, Hey, I'm a guide. Um, and then again, right, yeah, right, you're, right you know, putting either yourself or clients at risk if you don't have insurance. And then there's also permitting. So working through an outfitter is typically um, where, what's what I did, um, because they Mm. already have the permits, they already have Mm. the insurance. So, Mm. um, and it's kind of a lot to become your own outfitter. And then you're kind of starting, you know, at the bottom, which you have to start somewhere, which is understandable. But, you know, permits are so limited (laughs) that Mm -hmm. for me to apply for one and get it to fully run my own operations is is really difficult or it's kind of a barrier that I'm looking at. I mean, I'd eventually like to have my own guide service, but um, I just don't have the the capacity or the the time right now to set that all up. So, so yeah, I went through um, a guide school uh, through Willow Fly Anglers and that's the shop that I currently guide through as well. Um, And yeah, I kind of didn't want to be a guide, (laughs) um, especially with fishing, but you Mm. know, I always said I like fishing too much, so I didn't want to be a guide. Yeah, exactly, because you never get to actually fish, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, But, you know, kind of the work that I do and the work that I, you know, I always say, like, representation matters. And, you know, I didn't see, it's kind of that, like, well, if no one else is going to do it, then I need to do it (laughs) and kind of step up and step in there. So, you know, and also just um, teaching people, it's really awesome to see them hook that first fish, you know, all of those feelings that I had when I hooked my first fish, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, and just kind of this gateway to conservation is kind of how I see um, taking people out and guiding. 
So, um, yeah, I chose to go through a guide school. I could probably could have just applied to be a guide. Um, but since I never really had like formal training, I kind of wanted to go through the process from like a professional guide. Right. Um, cause I've just right. been kind of meeting, you know, people on the side or, uh, kind of just learning through different styles, nothing super formal. So I, I kind of wanted to put myself through that, that process. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes total sense. I mean, like, how do you, how would you explain maybe some of your clientele? Like what, what are some of the guests you're taking out on the water? Like, who are these people? What are they like? Yeah. So I'm consulting full time. So that keeps me pretty busy. So, um, (laughs) the reason I wanted to be a guide was again, for like representation and taking other women, women of color out, um, other identities. So, um, I work on requests only. Um, I kind of wasn't super passionate about the main clientele (laughs) that comes through our shop. Um, I mean, nothing that the nothing wrong with that, but there's plenty of guides Mm. that are, you know, available. Um, so, you know, my specific clientele is, um, you know, who, who wants to come fishing with someone like me, you know, um, and kind of taking the pressures off because it's different, you know, um, lots of clients come and say, this is a lot different learning from a woman of color. Um, so I get a lot of, um, requests that way, mostly through Instagram and folks coming through to, to make a vacation out of it. Cause it's kind of hard to get Mm -hmm. here where I live. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, that's, I mean, that's such a cool, like, offering, like, thing to be able to give, you know, the community. Like, if people are looking for that experience, like, that's, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, thanks. And so the region, like, you're at is, like, fairly remote then. Like, there's not, it's not like there's crazy traffic. No, yeah, no, it's, it's very, very remote. Um, yeah, but I live in a town of 1,800 people. Um, and there's just like, (laughs) there's a small regional airport called Gunnison, uh, or in in a town called Gunnison, that's a little bit bigger. That's kind of where the major grocery store is, (laughs) but there's really no highways or anything, um, really. So there is one to get through Gunnison, (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. um, where I'm at and in Crested Butte is kind of nestled in this mountain region where there's only one road in and one road out. So it's not anything you can just drive through. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it sounds sounds awesome. It sounds like the like a place that I kind of want to be right now. To be honest, downtown yeah. Toronto, I'm just like, oh man, I could go for some <laughs> getting out to nature. Love it. Definitely. Um, are these yeah. walking way trips or or boat trips or both or? Yeah, so they're mostly walkway. I just got a raft. Um, last, uh, I know. Yeah, I'm so wait. excited. Everyone's buying up rafts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got, but I got her at the end of summer last year, so I didn't get a whole lot of miles on the river with her. I call her Lucille, by the way. Uh, awesome. So. <laughs> Great name. Sick. I love yeah. that. So I'm hoping to start getting out here sometime soon. Um, trying to like find BB some. King's guitar. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> Lucille. <laughs> I, named, I named her after my grandmother. <laughs> oh, nice. Beautiful. Yeah. Love it. Well, that's pretty exciting then so you've got like a whole season ahead of you with like this this with lucille yeah that's I'm amazing really looking forward to it yeah yeah no doubt um okay so maybe we switch like gears for a second talk about obviously you know you're mentioning that you're you're in consulting and um and you you have this initiative real consulting can we talk about what real consulting is and like how you you know what the process was creating that and getting involved in that kind of a thing sure 
Yeah. Um, so back, we uh, um, established Real Consulting in 2018. And I say we because I have a business partner. Her name is Sydney Clark Whittington. And she lives in Casper, Wyoming right now with her family. Oh, but, cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I just say that because I've, I've been yeah. there once. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been there once briefly. I'm like, oh, finally, a place I know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if I'm being perfectly honest, I used to watch The Hills and uh, with my sister. I, but I love the hills. <laughs> so, so embarrassing. Anyway, but Heidi, you know, the one yep. of the main characters is from Crested Butte. So I, I actually know. do know Crested Butte, but for non-fishing reasons. Okay, I'm going to go leave. I'm going to leave. <laughs> okay. There's something the I'm I'm going to admit for... Not actually... Okay, so I have a private Instagram account of how I first got on Instagram. It's, yeah. uh, and um, I have an obsession with Heidi. I'm a, I'm a Spidey fan. <laughs> That's amazing. Is That's it like awesome. a Heidi fan account? <laughs> so, what's that, sorry? The Instagram account? Is it just Is like all up? about Heidi? No, it's not just about <laughs> Heidi. But, but I like to repost her stories a lot and like her music goes nice. along with my stories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do that. Um, and then I've seen her and met her and Spencer um, once when they were in town. So I like oh, to nice. oh, no Yep. <laughs> I mean, the way they film the scenes. Just, um, just last thing I'd say about the hills, but um, the way they <laughs> yeah, film just talking about the hills, just it's now a hills po- appreciation podcast. <laughs> yeah, like welcome Eric and Elsa to the show. So the hills, hills. This is kind of <laughs> perfect, actually. So about Heidi, um, wondering, <laughs> yes. um, no, uh, like what's she like? I will say the scenes they film in Crested Butte. I'm like, wow, I would love to go there or potentially live there. Like it yeah. looks. Oh, really? so nice it looks oh, so wow. nice just yeah. like this little town nestled in the rockies covered in snow mm-hmm. with fly fishing cool. okay mm-hmm. everywhere yeah there's Sign me so up. many yeah i yeah i lucked out i feel very lucky and privileged to live where i live so um yeah and she's yeah. very nice yeah she's very nice <laughs> that's good <laughs> business partner Casper Wyoming so, so although you can stay you don't need to leave <laughs> yes oh, um, okay so real consulting um, I was yep. working at uh, Knowles um, which is a national outdoor leadership school um, located in Lander Wyoming and um, if you're not familiar with Knowles, it's an international organization, um, and there's four different types of services. So they do like wilderness medicine certifications, um, expedition courses that are open enrollment, where you can go, you know, hiking or backpacking, whitewater rafting, up to you know a month, up to an entire semester. And those locations oh, are all wow. over the world, like um, Patagonia or India. Um, or even like the Wind River Range in Wyoming. So yeah, several different locations throughout the world. And um, they also do like custom courses and then risk management services. So Sydney and I were both working at this nonprofit and I was working on the sales and marketing team and Sydney was the diversity and inclusion manager. So um, anytime there was any like new initiatives, new campaigns, new new marketing, anything that kind of came up. I personally found it important to loop in diversity and inclusion. Um, at the time, I was always kind of questioning of, hey, are we doing this campaign right? Are we starting right. a new course for, you know, LGBTQ plus people? You know, how do we promote this <laughs> correctly, for example? Um, yeah. And so, you know, just things and initiatives, you know, for doing um, 
Black History Month or Martin Luther King Day, like a post on social or whatnot. We just needed some, you know, expert eyes on that. And unfortunately, we got a lot of pushback from our organization and leadership of, you know, why are you inviting Sydney to the table? <laughs> she doesn't belong here wow. or stop partnering with other marginalized groups. I would work with like other um, nonprofit organizations and, you know, I was told that that wasn't my job <laughs> and that I needed to kind wow. of focus on um, students with money or parents with money. And it got sure. really frustrating. And so yeah. um, just seeing this need, this thing that was not happening in the outdoor industry of how we're marketing, how we're you know tokenizing people, <laughs> how we're, you know, potentially causing more harm with our marketing strategies. So, um, mm. you know, on that I would always travel a lot for work, like trade shows or, um, you know, programs or getting the word out about Knowles. And uh, eventually I got into conversations with other marketing folks and other nonprofits that were wanting <laughs> that piece of inclusion in their marketing. So I started kind of yeah. being invited to do workshops and, and um, talks and whatnot in different outdoor clubs or different outdoor organizations. So it was just kind of pulled together. Um, we also had a mentor um, who's been a longtime DEI consultant. Um, he's an older gentleman in Maine, but he was really supportive. And, you know, you two just need to start your own business, you know, make this official. Yeah. Um, so he really kind of pushed us to, to start. Um, and we kind of didn't give it much thought. Um, you know, I've had thoughts about launching something or starting something, but I get kind of wrapped up in the name, how are we going to promote, you know, all these other mundane mm -hmm. things rather than just, you know, signing up right. for an LLC, right? Or just, just yeah. doing the thing. And so we yeah. really didn't put much thought into the name or how we're going to do this. And um, it was kind of a side hustle just to kind of, a, not appease, but to kind of like start start to see that there was a need um, in the outdoor industry for this type of work. And so it just kind of blew up <laughs> over the last couple of yeah. years and um, eventually became my main um, source of um, income and, and is now 100% my, my focus right now as of um, 2020. So. I mean, that's amazing that it became like a full-time thing, you know, from like you being mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I don't know if there's even, you know, people that want to have this sort of thing like Knowles, for example, you yeah. know, uh, to now <laughs> yeah. being like, you know, the bread and butter, you know, as we're growing, it's been, um, government, federal agencies, um, conservation spaces, you know, and then we co-created the angling for all pledge with Brown folks fishing. So, um, a lot of, um, work in the fly fishing in the fishing industry as a whole. Um, and then just very, a, a various different retail partners as well, um, are folks that we're working with. So what is the yeah. angling for all pledge? Yeah, so that is a benchmark um, to address uh, racism in the in the fishing industry. So, um, you know, looking at disparities and the BIPOC communities, so we're most likely to be impacted by climate change or other types of disasters happening. So, um, you know, there's all these kind of systemic issues happening, and it does trickle into angling, and whether you're fly fishing or spin fishing or deep sea fishing, <laughs> there are some disparities um, in anything, really, if we look at our entire system as a whole. And so yeah, there's time. a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of um, uh, discussion um, in organizations of, hey, we know that we need to care about DEI, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, but we don't know how. And so we kind of created this way to um, access those conversations 
have those conversations accessible to organizations that don't know where to start. So a lot of people, you know, may have started a committee or don't know how to start a DEI committee or, you know, they want their leader to care, whether it's a grassroots effort or if it's the CEO that's wanting to lead this but doesn't know how or where to start. So we mm. kind of just make this easy for them to be able to lean into these conversations in a safe space. And so we do workshops um, like half day workshops anywhere or, or full day workshops with folks, whatever they need, and kind of just make this conversation accessible. <laughs> and our approach is in three different areas, uh, which can be customized as well, depending on the organization's goals. But we find it really important to start with the self. Um, how many of us actually stop and look at our own identity and how we move about the world, you know, and then how do we actually stop and, and recognize other people's disparities or access to resources and how they might move about the world. And what that ultimately does is bring more compassion and empathy, which we don't often think is, you know, basic leadership skills. <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. um, you know, once we kind of have these two things developed, we can then uh, form authentic communities and partnerships. And what I like to kind of moving into decolonizing the industry so to me, that's kind of looking and addressing white supremacy within our own selves and our own organizations um, in order to build more authentic community. So any uh, marketing initiatives are then tackled, any external initiatives are then tackled after they go through this training. So we help um, guide, um, you know, giving feedbacks, feedback and guidance um, on any initiatives that they might need, whether that's more recruiting internally um, or more um, you know, externally as well, um, or their marketing yeah. efforts and stuff like that. So it's a long process. It's like, it's not like, I think you've explained before, it's not like it doesn't, you don't just do this. Yeah. It happens, right? Like it's, you're working with these companies for like months, years kind of thing. Yeah. Sydney and I's approach is rooted in relationship building, which we saw kind of happening in the diversity and inclusion consulting space. Um, it's looking a lot more like a checklist. And that's one thing that we wanted to avoid because, mm -hmm. you know, becoming anti-racist is a full-time, you know, lifelong journey. So how do we get people set up in that mindset? It's kind of a paradigm shift of thinking on how to approach right. this work. So um, that's kind of why we prefer to work with organizations for at least a year, if not more. Mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, it's, I can see how, or especially like, you know, in speaking with Demisha and whatnot, how like some companies and mission, you know, are in advertising, right? So, it's, you know, they run into companies are just like, well, let's start ticking these boxes <laughs> and think that that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's mm -hmm. doing the work and it's not at all. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we see a lot of strategy, like strategic planning of, you know, by year 2023, second quarter of this fiscal year, you know, we're going to have three black yeah. women on our team. And <laughs> we're just like, that's so a wrong approach. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. Oh, all of a sudden we're not racist. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> and exactly. racism is solved. By 2023, right? I will not be racist. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. You know, because you're right. Like, I think a lot of companies in Toronto, you know, like that we know, Yoma, you know, we work like all those said in advertising, and there's like a lot of that, right? Like, mm -hmm. kind of trying to do something, but it doesn't, yeah, that doesn't, doesn't work like that. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, my sister right now, she's the diversity and equ equity uh, director at the OLG right now, and she's been, um, it's OLG funny. is uh, the Ontario oh, Lottery and Gaming Commission. So, like, yeah. uh, our, our, gaming and you know even like scratch tickets scratch or whatever cards. is is a mm -hmm. is all relegated by the um regulated sorry by the uh ontario government 
Okay. Thanks, Aldo. Yeah, Erica, I thought you were Canadian first. For... <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, yeah, and she's and, and and to your point, she's been doing this even before she got that title, and she's been fighting for that for a very long time. And um, you know, she's in charge of making sure that every ad campaign that's coming out of any of the agencies in Ontario um, have those inclusions in their commercial spots. Um, and um, she's helping myself, Aldo and Mitch sort of kind of um, curb our um, our platform to help young black kids get into fly fishing because I mean, you know, I was one of those kids who got made fun of and was the token at one point, mm -hmm. right? So, um, yeah, yeah, just add yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a those, lot of work with those types of goals, right? Like taking the we're gonna have three black women by this quarter. That does become tokenizing, right? Yeah. Like that's Sydney mm. shares a story um, in some of our sessions of how they had like a. <laughs> They Knowles had a checkbox <laughs> of hiring um, leadership uh, women of color, and they're like, "Oh, we met our goal." And Sydney's looking around, and she's like, "Oh, that's me." You know, and that's like very belittling. Oh. That's very yeah. like it's, it does more harm than it does good. And so, you know, I've seen organizations, and both of us have within, you know, with diversity and inclusion in initiatives for over 10, 30 years years but nothing is being done and so it's how do we actually create and make change and it's it's totally that paradigm shift of thinking of how to approach this work so we try to come in with um you know these technical approaches of all right let's just check the boxes let's just do the thing and then we can move on and not have to think about it anymore uh, or we might hire yeah. a consultant to come in and tell us what to do so i think sydney and i are kind of this we like to challenge the the term consultant as well um because we're not mm -hmm. going to come in and tell you what to do because this work is really rooted in uh, taking individual responsibility right. and how are you yeah, willing yeah. to accept the consequences of your actions you know the things that you post the things that you say are you willing to be held accountable for for all of that right and what does that look like mm -hmm. and so you know part of that shifting of thinking is understanding that you're going to probably mess up <laughs> if not at one point then all the time and so how are you going to yeah. move forward and jump back into the conversation yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, this is a and naive. So, oh, <laughs> oh, please, Aldo. This Go is ahead, a naive question, but I think it's an important one. Uh, why does representation matter? Like, why is it important? Like, why do you like? I've always yeah. been represented, <laughs> so I don't think about it. Like straight up, I don't. I mean, I do because you know now, but you know, growing up, I didn't. Yeah. That's for sure. I just flipped through magazines, fly fishing magazines, and didn't think anything about it. And then after university and doing, you know, going. You know, my major was in sociology and critical race theory and stuff like that. And, you know, then you start thinking like, oh, f fuck, <laughs> you know, and then and but uh, so I'm asking this question is more of a jump off as a, a conversation, but it is a bit of a naive question. But why is representation important to you or even Yelma or whatever? Yeah, well, uh, really quickly. I mean, my role model was Bill Dance Outdoors. So there it go. There it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing against Bill Dance. <laughs> Bill Dance. Nothing against Bill Dance. Hey. Nothing against Bill Dance. <laughs> I love him. 
Yeah. No, I think role models and, you know, is really important. Um, you know, if we can't see someone like us doing the thing, then we probably won't try. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things become more accessible the more that we see ourselves in that in that realm. And so, you know, that's kind of the point of I, I didn't want to be a guide, but I felt like I kind of needed to, which I, I now love, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I love teaching people yeah. how to fish. But, you know, I wanted other women of color to be able to know that they belong in the space as well and mm-hmm. they can see themselves here too. So I think just the accessibility piece, but also once we get people in the door, that then becomes that gateway to conservation, right? We want to protect the places that we love and the things that we do. And it just kind of builds a more diverse community. And when I think about diverse communities, especially in the conservation space, you know, I'm seeing a lot of um, white-led organizations try the same thing over and over, but how Mm. often are they actually including indigenous voices or Mm -hmm. other folks that might have creative solutions to some problems that we might be dealing with on the riverbank? So, you know, that's just opening Mm -hmm. up entire door, (laughs) the more that we're including other people that aren't the, the dominant culture here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's important. Oh, no. Mitch and I recently spoke to, um, actually, when you do come here, we'll drive through this community, but <clears throat> there's a lake up here called Nipissing Lake, and we speak, spoke recently to uh, the chief of the Nipissing First Nation, mm-hmm. and he was involved in, or was a conservation officer for years and biologist or whatever, and uh, just to your point of like including <laughs> indigenous voices and in communities, uh, you know, they kind of through the ministry of natural resources and Scott's community up in Nipissing um, was kind of like a, the first time this has ever happened where like the indigenous, you know, law was the, philosophy is the right word maybe it was a philosophy behind writing new conservation laws for the lake because the lake is overfished and the walleye are going away and all this stuff and and so he really spearheaded but you know it was you know i asked him that question we were talking to him i was like is this the first time they've ever listened to an indigenous community before like the ministry of natural resources and he's like yeah probably definitely yes (laughs) And yeah. it's interesting because it's 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 now working, obviously, mm. and uh, and so it is important to have those voices. It's right. their land. I mean, they know it better than most, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> More people at the table too, right? Like, yeah, yeah, because like they the lake basically got like overfished because mm. it was just like people that like were like we need to make lodges and mm. like just catch every walleye and eat it <laughs> and like mm. not thinking about you know the indigenous people on the lake and what they wanted and so right. you know it's great or to see that just, change happening but yeah or even the environmental impacts you know i think the yeah. iroquois you know concept of seventh generation thinking is so not included you know of we look at um yeah, how do our actions and behaviors impact not only today and the next five years and our or ten years of mm-hmm. our strategy, but seven generations from now? How are we actually protecting this? And so that's so often not yeah. <laughs> that mm. mindset in these organizations, right? Oh gosh, no! Like it was really no, not like, like how's then. It, it was like improve the fishing for me. <laughs> how, how's it going to make this <laughs> yeah. lodge, you know, more money in the next two years? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Like to look at it like that, you know? Right. Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, Orvis was one of the first companies that you worked with, that real worked with mm-hmm. for the, the, uh, the pledge. And what, what I mean, that's mm-hmm. so amazing to me. Like a, I think about a company like Orvis and I'm like, Orvis is an old company. They kind of 
almost represented a lot of those like problems in fly fishing, you know, like when I think Orvis, I'm like, Oh, I think like an old white guy, you know, like standing yeah. on the river with tweed on, uh, in what was that like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously they're changing, their brand is changing so much and, and they're, they're doing great stuff. Like what, what was it like working with a, a company like Orvis, you know, like in the beginning? Yeah, it was, it was good. It was, you know, so uh, Tracy uh, Nguyen Chung, she's the founder of Brown Folks Fishing, and that started out as an Instagram account uh, for representation within the industry. And mm, so right. she ended up going into having a, um, a, a conversation with folks at Orvis <laughs> at one point. And, yeah. um, you know, they invited us to an event um, in Montana. So it's called the Orvis Guide Rendezvous, where all their lodges, all their guides kind of get together every year. And there's awards, there's dinners, there's cocktail parties, you know, workshops and cool. stuff. And so um, mm -hmm. we were invited as um, uh, they Brown Folks Fishing was awarded the Breaking Barriers Award which is people doing, you know, um, inclusion work within the industry. And so we were then able to kind of land a meeting with um, Orvis executives, including Simon Perkins, the president. And it was very, um, it was a really awesome conversation um, because they were just listening. I mean, it, it just was the first time where I think all of us felt seen and we all felt heard. And it was the start of a, a really great, authentic relationship. And I think a lot of companies want to jump to action right away, or they just want to yeah. like hear what they want to hear and then jump off of that because it fits in with their budget or their planning. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. but Orvis exactly. just kind of, you know, relinquished power, if you will, in some degree of just listening yeah. and taking ownership, taking responsibility. And I think if you're going to do any type of initiative, um, which is basically getting at culture shifting, culture change, this needs to be done by the highest levels of leadership. So yeah, totally. to see a leader like Simon really um, grab this work <laughs> and really own it, mm -hmm. I think has really made a huge impact. Um, and that's the thing that we want to see in all organizations is having the, the leader mm -hmm. kind of take charge of this these initiatives. Um, and so... Um, yeah, so it just started out as a conversation, a relationship. Um, there was, um, you know, they supported some events that Brown Folks Fishing put on, but there was no, um, you know, clause that they had, like we had to promote them or anything like that. Right. It was just right. purely fully in just support in that listening mode, right? And so that then um, led naturally into them wanting to be the first to sign because that's kind of what we based our relationship on this this pledge around as well. So it's like, well, this is what we're already seeing. This is what we want to see in other organizations. And so it just, again, mm -hmm. felt natural for them to be the first. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome. I, I love that they were. And, and I remember seeing them post about, you know, these sorts of issues like on social like a couple of years ago. And I was like, wow, that's that's wicked to see, you know, a brand like Orvis, like actually be like genuine, yeah. you know, and like be for real. Yeah, it's great. And they're not perfect. Right. Like, I don't think anyone can yeah, leave myself yeah. as a consultant. Right. Exactly. Or, like I, we all still fall short and there's still a lot of work to be done. But again, it's that mindset that they've adopted of this iterative adaptive process. We're going to mess up, but we're going to learn from our mistakes. Right. right? So, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not excluding the tweed. We can bring the tweed along. Right. <laughs> I love tweed. I do love tweed. It's great. We're the tweed. tweed, you know? We're going to change what Rich tweed means, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. No, that's great. Um, how like well, how hopeful are you in terms of like the fly fishing narrative and like where 
things are going, you know, I mean, obviously I feel like you're in it still. So you're, you're optimistic, but like, what, <laughs> how do you feel about the direction things are going? I just me naturally, I'm a totally optimistic person. It's kind of sickening. Um, Sydney kind of is like, I don't know where you get it from. <laughs> so um, I always wake up and choose positivity, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. I think we're starting to see change where we can see it. And I think there's still a lot of companies and brands digging their heels in and seeing this as divisive and political. And I think that's, Mm. that's fine. That's where they're at, but I think that's where they're going to (laughs) stay. I am particularly excited about our younger. Yeah. I'm, I'm particularly excited about our younger generation um, and what can be evolved um, either out of frustration or out of, you know, diversity and thought. And so I, I almost see a new wave coming in, which I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about and I'm excited for yeah, that's, yeah a, that's a really good way to put it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, Gilma, can we ask you the same question? Like, what do you see in our, like, Canadian community, I guess? Oh, man. Put on the spot. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously there are less of us Canadians and Americans, but so there's, you know, maybe less groups. But, I mean, obviously, Demisha's done a lot of great work here with BGOW. Mm-hmm. And, so... Yeah, Yeah, I've only seen BGOW, actually. Um, I still see, I mean, uh, in terms of the fly fishing world, um, I don't see a lot of just specifically black representation other than, you know, um, myself and a few others. But on the river, it's it's only, to be honest, it's only me um, so far. But I, I mean, I'm not on every river, you know, I'm not everywhere. But, you know, based on what I've seen um, in, in this region, not not everywhere. Um, so I feel like the Ashley Brown Girl Outdoor World is probably the the biggest uh, mm-hmm. right now. And the, the uh, seeing that is incredible. And mm-hmm. um, and um, but in terms of the, you know, the other variations of fishing, like uh, center pinning, it is mixed up. Yeah, it is really, you know, I see a lot of um, West Indian, I see a lot of um, Asian influence. Um, for sure, but in terms of the fly fishing world, it's a little, it's lacking a little bit, in my opinion, in this region specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm hoping we can do that thing that you want to do, Yelma. I think that's a super cool idea. Yeah, yeah. Little Yelma's running around fishing, fly fishing. It'd be great. <laughs> Yelma, wants to, Yelma wants to start. Yelma wants to start like hosting like kind of education days for like youth, like uh, BIPOC youth, to get into fly fishing, which I think would be super cool. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. That's I think great. now that we're crawling out of COVID and actually can do events again, yeah, that's events. It's gonna yeah. be awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know how yeah. I would be. I have an event coming up, and I'm like, I'm so. <laughs> What's it like being around people? <laughs> no, I know. I know. <laughs> And that's so weird, like readapting. I'm like, the first time I'm going to go in somewhere without a mask, I'm going to be like, like so sketched out looking at everybody like, get away from me. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> I can't handshake anymore. I'm like, I'm ruined. No, yes. I am never handshaking again. So this is a public service announcement. Yeah. <laughs> Just won't be offended. Sorry. I kind of never liked handshaking anyway. I always you know? hated like, it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know. That's one thing I'm taking. But I never, like, I'm so awkward when I meet someone for the first time. I never know what to do. Like, I'm, they're like, they want to shake my hand. I'm like, yo, yo, what's going on? You know, like, just like, who are you? <laughs> Touch your elbows, you know? Like, I'm one of those people. Like, touching elbows. <laughs> they're like, what? <laughs> That's going to be me. He still, he still uh, does that. I still do. I still do. Yeah. 
okay, so before we move on to Mitchie's Fishies 5, which is like the segment in the show where we ask every single guest we have on the same five questions, um, I just want to touch on one thing you said in the New York Times article, which I thought was really like a really beautiful quote, which was um, you said, I see a lot of people in the sport and industry wanting to take, but when I'm on the water, I want to show up as my full self and maybe give back to, and I want that for everybody. Um, do you mind just explaining kind of what you meant by that a little bit more? Sure. So I think it's the mentality of most fly anglers I've seen is this um, initial idea of, you know, it's either catching trophy fish, the biggest fish from last time, right? And it's, um, you know, I want to get my spot. I want to make sure that nobody else gets there, right? (laughs) It's me and me only. And the whole process is just centering yourself. And I think there's so much more to fishing, which is the relationship with, you know, the bugs, (laughs) it's relationship with the birds, you know, it's uh, caring for a watershed and knowing where your water comes from. And it's how are we protecting that? How are we getting involved in our local communities to make sure that those are protected places? And I think that's the thing is I don't always have this goal of get there, be there first, and then catch the biggest fish and then go home. And so that's just kind of the difference I've seen of the mentality of fishing and something that kind of I want to be separate from (laughs) is this more reciprocal Mm -hmm. Relationship with the land and the water um, versus this centering myself, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that idea. And I love that it's something that's like happening, you know, like in, in the community. Like we're seeing a community. It's not like back in the day when it was like my secret spot. And, you know, yeah. like you're saying, you know, I want to catch the biggest fish and I don't want, I want this. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's a kind of more about like us now and sharing the whole thing. And I, I that's a, I think that was so, such a cool way to, to speak about it because I haven't heard people really talk that way about it. So that's cool. Lovely. Well, I think I actually um, one more thing. Yes, Sorry. please. Of course. Because no. we haven't talked about it and we should because we're we're all the same yeah. thing as we're all podcasters. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, of course. How the heck did we not yeah, so talk about the podcast? Yeah, the, <laughs> talk about the podcast. The awkward angler podcast. Yeah. yeah. Look, she got her yeah. her mic set up right there. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> set up. And we yeah, when did you start the podcast? Like what's the deal with that? Um, I've always kind of wanted to start a podcast, but I didn't really know what. Um, and then 2020, right when we were all kind of in lockdown, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I thought it was just kind of a great opportunity and uh, a way to connect with other people. So, you know, I take Demisha, for example, I would chat with her, you know, we would be sending DMs back and forth and it's like, all right, this is becoming too much. Let's just call. <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> right. We yeah. were on the phone for like hours, you know either venting or out of frustration or are you seeing this too right are you do you feel this way and really just connecting over um you know inclusion and diversity in in fishing specifically and so you know i always thought what you know i just want to hit a record button because i want other people to hear this conversation because Mm -hmm. what she's saying makes sense to me (laughs) right and we're both just vibing on each other but you know i want other people to hear the conversations that um you know women of color or other people of color are having in this Mm -hmm. space right because it's um it's different and that's the community that i'm involved in so that was kind of the idea of just you know i'm already in these conversations (laughs) um i you know i'm a professional facilitator so I do, you know, workshops and I'm just naturally curious. So I was like, yeah, okay, this is, I think this is it. This is the conversation, you know? And then as I started to kind of do some research of fly fishing podcasts, it was always this, um, 
destination trips or fly fishing, you know, trophy totally. fish or just Tips really, and yeah. And mm-hmm. I just, it just was not interesting to me and kind of looking at whose story is not being told what's a little awkward at the same time. <laughs> right. Um, cause yeah, yeah. I think pushing people and, and getting comfortable with discomfort is something that we're not naturally wanting to do. So how can I make this accessible mm-hmm. to other people? And so, yeah, it just um, kind of just kind of came together um, and then launched in December 2020. And then, mm. um, yeah, so I, I'm working on a season three right now with the very limited time I have. <laughs> so, right. um, but yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty fun. <laughs> I mean, that's how I first heard about you was because Demisha was on your show and mm-hmm. I listened to the episode yeah. and I've been listening Same. ever since. I loved, I mean, we had Kayla Lockhart on a long time ago, mm-hmm. so it was cool to see. I think that was your that was the finale of your second season, yeah. if I'm correct. Yeah. And it was just cool hearing another, because we basically spoke to her just about fishing and a little bit about the Mayfly Project, but it was just cool getting, I don't know. It's yeah. cool learning more, more about depth, people yeah. you you admire, you know? Yeah. 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 Do you like podcasting? I love it. Yilma hates it. Really? <laughs> I'm just not. I'm, I'm, he hates podcasting. I, I'm just not the most. I think it comes down to confidence and uh, artic- articulation of some words. You know, I just don't want to. I just don't want to sound stupid. So I, I Yilma, fear the podcast. You're fantastic on the podcast. Yeah, you're great on fantastic the podcast. Fantastic on the podcast. Yeah, you're doing great. And now we're on video too, which is a, just, I think, a gift to everybody, Yilma. Oh my God. <laughs> Look at that smile. <laughs> it's radiant. Yeah. No, I think those fears are real. Um, I, especially the ums, right? Right? And the like the way that you talk and I, I realize yeah. I cannot ever edit my own podcast. So luckily I found yeah. someone that can help outsource that for me because it's you, I came I became overly critical. I'm like, I, this thing would never launch if I leaned into all of my like doubt. <laughs> but it's, mm-hmm. you know, my right, right. editor, she was like, podcasting is addicting. And she was totally right, you know, and not having just a small space on Instagram, but, you know, just wanting to. I don't know, get, get something out, I guess, or, um, mm-hmm. just being able to have a platform, um, where not a lot of folks like me do. It's like, why not create my own? So, um, yeah, I like it. Totally. Yeah. yeah that's well, awesome. I mean, and the response has been like pretty good. Yeah. I would say overwhelmingly good. I'd say the one that wasn't good. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if you'd probably deal with this, but just seeing a title, it like triggered a lot of reaction. Um, and that was specifically on geotagging. <laughs> so, um, you know, a lot of right. fly anglers right. like saw that I was doing a podcast on geotagging and automatically assumed I was like for it and geotag everything. And of course that got a lot of yeah. response and reaction. Um, people, you know, it was just kind of this annoying, like, <laughs> really? <laughs> just Totally. Just no, it's, it, annoys, it annoys me too. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. People are like, oh, you know, why are you giving away all these fishing spots? And it's like, well, I'm not, first of all, right. but, you know, like, yeah, yeah it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, you're going to ruffle some feathers. And I think that's uh, I think that's a good thing and getting people talking about this stuff and, and maybe even having some people change their mind about you know, yeah. what's going on. But uh, yeah, I'd say so. No, that's wicked. I, yeah. Um, I love that. I love thank you all, though, for bringing that up, because like we got 15 minutes in. It's like, oh, yeah, the podcast is like another huge thing. <laughs> well, there's, well, there's a lot it's going awesome. on in Erica's life. Yeah. <laughs> Guiding yeah. fly fishing consulting podcast. But it's cool. It's that you've, yeah. you've created an ecosystem, really. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Obviously, we are, we're into that because we're trying to do the same thing um, but uh, with our brand. But uh, but yeah, like uh, it's cool. It's cool. Awkward. I love the name, too. Awkward yeah. Angler. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I like oh, alliteration. Did, how did that come about, actually? That's a good question. I love alliteration, um, but 
you know, I was trying to, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, I've had my personal account and, uh, I started to do a lot more phishing posts and people were like, really Erica, fish are so ugly. And I'm like, you know, so it was kind of this, um, <laughs> what <laughs> I know it was, well, it, was like, <laughs> it was like this moment of like, okay, I think I need to separate this because like my, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, like friends I grew up with are like, really Erica, new hop. I don't need to see this every day. I just want to see the Heidi story. Right? Exactly. Right. Well, I'm here for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> and so it was like came of that time, right. Of like, okay, I think I, it's time for me to build yeah. a community and where I can ask questions to other people, like specifically in fly fishing. So, um, it, you know, it just kind of came to me, I guess. I don't know. And I started thinking about, yeah. well, um, my process into fishing has not been smooth, you know, looking at how other people get into fishing. It's typically they're like, they're, boyfriend their partner their dad their grandpa that gets them into fishing and for me it's just been Mm -hmm. a stumbly awkward process (laughs) and i just Mm -hmm. hate the term like fly fishermen um or just fly fisher just sounds weird so you know Mm -hmm. um using the term angler more and more is kind of more inclusive and so i thought hey put this together why not (laughs) so yeah yeah, just kind of fell together nice i love it i like I'm just awkward. Okay. Right? Sorry. I think we... <laughs> you know, okay, so it's, like, not awkward only to, like, you know, be a person, but also to, like, mm-hmm. fish and talk about the awkward moments, yeah. but also talking about social justice in fishing is even more extremely awkward, so there's kind of a multi-mishmash of the yeah. of the ecosystem. I really like that. I wrote that down, actually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ecosystem. I mean, that is exactly what you're you're making, right? Like it is like a you're building like a little world of yeah awkward angler stuff. It's cool. Thanks. Um, okay, so yeah, like I said, Mitchie's Fishies Five. We've got five questions that we ask every guest at the end of each show, and they're the same five questions. And so we're gonna jump into those now. Um, the first question is, and these are kind of just more generic general fishing questions, but this first one is what is your favorite fish and why, if you had to pick a favorite fish, what would it be? Hmm. <laughs> I feel like this question. Cause actually we didn't really talk about that either. Like what do you <laughs> normally fish for? Which I'm assuming is cutthroat and brown or rainbow trout, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Here there's a lot of trout. So it's brown or rainbow is typically the majority. Hmm. Um, up at higher elevations, you can find brook trout. There's some cutthroats um, as well in higher elevation. Um, yeah, occasional whitefish, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. That's what I typically just catch yeah. the trout. But, um, mm, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I kind of like um, a good rainbow fight. But, um, you yeah. know, getting up into higher elevations and seeing um, – like brookies is really beautiful. It's really special because it's only like a really short window of time and you kind of have to work for it because <laughs> it's, you need a all-terrain yeah. vehicle or it's really remote and nobody else around. So I think those are a little bit more special to be brook trout. <laughs> oh yeah. Especially brook trout of that region, which the region sound like you're saying, yeah, it's like the middle of nowhere, yeah. you know, like it's so yeah, there's kind of rare. There's even some like creeks around here that have really tiny brook trout. I think like the biggest might be like three inches, four inches. Mm. And so my favorite Amazing. thing, um, which I just adopted is um, taking a little goldfish net <laughs> to be able to ski. Yeah. Anyway, it's been really fun. <laughs> <laughs> like when you're landing it. Yeah. <laughs> just like, it's like the perfect size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you do that? Uh, I love that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know, great answer. So I mean, brookies are a beautiful fish. Mm-hmm. Those sound incredible. Um, okay, so the number two question is, you know, there's a lot of places to fish in the world, a lot of cool destinations. Um, if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, where would you go and why would you go there? This is you can imagine right. it's the best time to go there. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like Amazing February 27th. It's, it's, it's like yeah, yeah. peak this, season. This question always kind of messes with me because I wish I had like, um, I don't know, something exotic, but maybe this is exotic to some. Um, yeah. I really love yeah. Wyoming. <laughs> Um, yeah. any yes. chance I have to get to the upper green is, um, incredible. And then there's also a river called the new fork, which is just delightful. Um, it's probably my favorite place to be. <laughs> so. It's, oh gosh. Yeah. I, I just, oh my Wyoming God. Wyoming is incredible. Just, it's, it's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I've only fished the North Platte, but man, I yeah. would love to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I have my, my pockets and. Yeah, it's it's a great place to be. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, Wyoming is definitely like on the top of my list. I need to get I need to get the heck down there. All the pictures are incredible. Um, okay, number three, Mitch's Fishies Five is what is one of your best or favorite fishing memories from over the years? I'd say my fish mentor. Um, his name is Barry. <laughs> we went fishing. Brock. Every... <laughs> what? Was it Obama? But, oh, I mean, I wish. I wish. Oh my God. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Does he fly fish? Do we know? Well, I don't know. I don't Most know. presidents do. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. It's kind of a presidential thing, fly fishing. It is. I gotta Google it right now. Definitely some tweed. Put him in tweed. Definitely would need some tweed. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that, yeah. Obama in tweed. I'd love that. <laughs> Obama's a dry fly fisher. He's, he's like, without oh, knowing actually anything soul. about his personal like, life. <laughs> It strikes me as a dry yeah. fly kind of person. Same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the first yeah. article, uh, fly fishing with President Obama. <laughs> Ooh. Hey. Oh, there we go. That's amazing. I totally amazing. forgot sorry, the Erica. question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite fishing memory. Unfortunately, not the president. Now my story is just not that interesting. No, <laughs> um, no, my buddy is very, um, He's very loud and he never checks the weather, but I just kind of would go along with it anyway. But we've been into some pretty gnarly storms. <laughs> I'd say there, I thought I wasn't going to make it out of there. <laughs> um, oh, wow. One particular lightning storm happened and there was a ton of hail and um, a lot of lightning and it was pretty, it was pretty gnarly. It's an interesting situation. Um, you know, and then uh, it was, this is actually a weekend. So I'm going to, put it all together <laughs> so one yeah, was this yeah. gnarly storm um that i thought i was not gonna make it out obviously made it out yeah. um mm. and then the next yeah. day um his rod like he had a fish on and i don't know why he set it down he also smokes a lot of weed so like he's <laughs> just always like stoned out of his mind anyway yeah. he set his rod down with a fish <laughs> on and of course the rod went out yeah. into the water and he just kind of like seal dove in it like dived into the water <laughs> and uh yeah oh, filled wow. up his waders luckily it was like kind of shallow but his waders filled up and it was a big ordeal of him trying to <laughs> he just like dove in to say that's amazing like, not yeah, they didn't kept the fish <laughs> <laughs> love it's it amazing. yeah so anyway that, he's just so that, he's that just whole weekend that. fishing with barry 
Yeah, it's always just kind of a trip. <laughs> yeah. And so Barry, like, was one of the people kind of influential in getting, you know, like you, like fly fishing and stuff like that? Oh, huge. Yeah, yeah. First time fishing on a boat. First time streamer fishing. Yeah, first time a lot of things and, and getting out on the water. Yeah. We, we fished every single weekend together so for about two years. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was good times. <laughs> love it. I love it. Uh, okay, number oh, he's four. Okay, sorry, but he's also like, bit. sorry, oh. another thing about him is he's 65, by the way, and he's just this like <laughs> old okay. dude. Okay, so just put more context. Old dude, Barry. but he's like, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, I can anyway. see that now. Yeah, Barry, 65, <laughs> loves weed, dives into rivers, like not scared of a storm. I like <laughs> yeah, Barry. Sounds like Randy. <laughs> you know after like a couple of years of like why am i still hanging out with this guy i was like you know this is probably teaching me to be a really cool old lady <laughs> you know and uh yeah, so yeah, far yeah, totally. yeah i'm not afraid to go out into any type of weather these days so <laughs> yeah. yeah okay oh my gosh, right. a lightning Sorry, storm in the middle of nowhere <laughs> no 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 that's a great i love that's a great it's a great memory you know I love, i'm terrified of lightning too so i feel you i totally get that um, okay, yeah, number four. We kind of talked about this a little bit throughout the show, but it's simply why do you fly fish? Like, what do you get out of fly fishing? Why do you keep going back out? Well, first of all, that reinforcement schedule. Uh, no. Um, no, I really love just getting to know the water here. It's just different every day, it seems like. Um, seeing the flows, paying attention to the flows, you know, what's that doing to the natural surrounding areas. So it's kind of like going to see like your best friend every day almost of like, Hey, what's new? What's yeah. different? You know? And yeah, um, I like that. Yeah. And just being able to like note the changes that are happening gradually. So, um, you know, especially this time of year, there's only one really good accessible place to go and it's different every time. So it's just getting to know a good friend. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's a great way to look at it. I can't wait to see my old friend, the Credit River, soon. We're going to meet up in a couple of months, our local river, once it's all unthawed. Um, okay, number five, last question, Mitch's Fishies 5, uh, is one of our favorites. It's, if you were a fly pattern, what would you be? What fly best represents you and why? You oh, pick one an orange fly. Cheeto mop fly. Oh, I should have had one. I should have brought it one. Okay, oh, amazing. Sorry, but I... <laughs> I love this. No, 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 totally. Orange yeah, Cheeto no. mop fly. Yeah, I call it the Cheeto puff. Yeah. yeah like, Cheeto puff. <laughs> it's just an orange mop fly, like essentially. Puff. Yeah, it looks like a little Cheeto puff. Yeah. Somebody suggested oh, that's great. Like, sprinkling some chili powder on it, making it spicy. Like it's spicy Cheeto. <laughs> <laughs> flaming, the flaming hot Cheeto. Flaming, Why, flaming hot what Cheeto. is it about? because Mop. i think that they're just so underrated you know they kind of are called like the trash fly i don't know like no one wants to use them because it's not yeah. like technical but again kind of embracing this like awkward it works it's mm -hmm. you know it's kind of this yeah. um last choice i don't know <laughs> it's just this like beautiful fly that nobody appreciates <laughs> yeah it's true totally. i have a bunch in my in my fly box yeah why not try it i actually <laughs> same they're under they're under and I'm a hey. Anybody knows me? I I I, I fish with trash all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, he takes but, me out all the time. Squirmies. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! A self burn. Very rare. Um, self burn. Self burn. Um, 
But for some reason, I just never really got into the Mothla. I will say, though, definitely bring those. Oh, there you go, Mitchie. <laughs> definitely bring those to the Lady Avalon River. Those Berkies yes. will go nuts for an orange <laughs> Cheeto Mothla, oh, yeah. for Great. sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, those Berkies are pretty agreeable anyway. <laughs> Don't see a whole lot of right. anglers very often. And, and uh but uh, but I have a, I have a, so they see a cheese puff and they're mm-hmm. like oh yeah I mean how can you resist that one. yeah exactly drag <laughs> that but put that underneath a hopper and we're laughing right oh my god oh. that's like my jam <laughs> yeah well it's funny it's funny that Mitch mentioned the Credit River we have another river close to us called the Grand River and both those rivers are single fly only so we very rarely fish tandem rigs but the Lady Evelyn I'm like two fly and so it's like it's like a holiday up there because we can. We can tandem rig up there, so yeah, it's a hopper dropper fiesta, awesome. which isn't yeah. which I know is pretty common out west, but not very common for us. Oh wow, yeah, hopper yeah, yeah. I'd say or chubby fly is definitely yes, yeah. those chubby yeah, Chernobyl those Chernobyl mm-hmm. ants mm-hmm. that they love them. They love black and red. Yeah, Chernobyls sounds like heaven. Yeah, yeah. it kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so beautiful. Beautiful area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's also it's it's. I think that trip is great because it. It's or I think you'll like it because it it does what you kind of described why you like fishing so much is you you're not fishing all day you know you're canoeing through the river for you know half the day and you're fishing for the other half so it's kind of like it is that immersive experience of like mm-hmm. yeah winding through the through the river yeah it's pretty cool I like I just, adventure. I just yeah. love the camaraderie mm. that's that's my hanging out in the yeah, woods yeah hanging out is yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're so I'm yeah. so stoked when Tamisha told me that yesterday that you're coming. It's gonna be, good. It's gonna be yeah. so much fun. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be a surprise, but I guess we're telling everybody. <laughs> yeah. <Damn it. laughs> Maybe it was supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> Sorry, D. <laughs> we're just. Sorry, I'm D. excited. Sorry, I've been D. like waiting to like get it out actually. So yeah, I'm okay. super stoked. <laughs> and by that I mean when so you is... don't come here and not go yeah. fishing. With not us. in it's September. Definitely not this year. <laughs> but by yeah, 2023, we hope to have now. an indigenous guide on one of our... Uh... <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Erica, that's the show. I mean, that's that's Benchy's Fishies 5. That's the show. I think now's the now's the time, you know, if you want to kind of plug any anything you got going on. And, and where plugs. can people find you and how can people connect with you? All that stuff. Uh, well, that's yeah, thanks so much. This has been really great. <laughs> I enjoy t- chatting with y'all. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm available on Instagram at Awkward Angler, and um, I I have a lot going on, <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, you can reach me there if you want to chat. Um, but my time is pretty limited DM. right now. But um, I'm usually up for for anything really, especially new fishing buddies. And um, I have some trips coming up this year, and I always try to tackle on some extra days to check out the river so let me know where you're at and maybe we can meet up awesome awesome perfect yeah and of course we'll you know we'll put the links to uh the the new york times article in the show notes as well if you haven't read in it the podcast check it out because it's awesome um and of course the podcast and everything and your instagram page so check out the show notes but erica yeah thank you so much for coming on you know especially with your busy schedule we super appreciate you know just getting the chance to chat and meet and uh Looking forward to chatting in yeah. person next yeah, time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, thanks so much. Yeah. See you soon. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Or not. Um, or not. Or not. Not in September. For the Brown Girl Outdoor World Fishing Trip. <laughs> um, Amazing. I guess the last thing I'll say is you did mention um, you're working on season three. Do you know when that might be released or, or 
it's just should we just look out for season three of the Awkward Angler podcast? Kind of thing? look out. I'm probably a couple months out. <laughs> look out! Look out. <laughs> I kind of like to do mine like bulk and then like do a release. So I don't have to think about it. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, or that way I a have bingeable series. I do, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so uh, hopefully um, by this summer I'm shooting for. So look out. Wicked. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, keep an eye keep out, an for, out that, for that, everyone. Yeah. And uh, Erica, thank you so much for yeah, coming thank on. Thank you. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Gills Fly Fishing International. Gills Fly Fishing International provides the destination fly angler with the best personalized trip planning and booking experiences possible. And they run FFI Magazine, an online fly fishing magazine with articles from your favorite fly fishing writers. The magazine is filled with tips, trips, and tight line stories to get you jacked for your next venture out on the water. Visit flyfishinginternational.com to learn more. That's flyfishinginternational.com. All right, I've got Greg Thomas here, the editor-in-chief of Fly Fishing International Magazine. Greg, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. Absolutely, yeah. So there's a new issue of FFI out this month, correct? February issue. That's right. Just just really came out around the 15th. Amazing, yeah. And so, like, what's that? What's going on at this issue? What's what's What can people read about? What are some of the articles going on? Well, there's 20, there's 20 really good pieces, and probably the thing I'm most proud about in putting these out is that we just have, you know, some really great um, contributors and especially for being a young publication just getting our our feet wet really so we have uh, a really nice piece on fish and laid up tarpon by robert tomes who spends lots of his winter in uh the everglades when he's not in uh, chicago running fly shops doing speaking engagements and such uh we have a really cool story by uh the photographer and former miami trial lawyer pat ford who does a lot of underwater photography and he's been going down to mexico several years in a row and he swims with these striped marlin, and uh, it is just insane to look at the images of these these fish feeding on bait balls. But oh, yeah. he likes fly fishing too, so he picks up the rod, and you learn about you know how to go after these fish in uh, in the story too. Um, That's wicked. We also have a piece. I was able to go down to Southern Belize in uh, in early December, and yeah. uh, sorry, I had a call coming, in I had to get rid of. No, and, no worries, um, it's all good. That was honestly about my 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 first time ever going for you know really concentrating on permit. Okay. And yeah. so I spent ten days down there, jumped from lodge oh, wow. to lodge, and got to fish five you know full days and had lots of shots. And you know the thing I learned about permit fishing is it's a lot like hunting, which I also like to do. The stakes are really yeah. high because you know the shots are so few, and you can really get down on yourself. And you just got to pick yourself back up if you make a bad cast. Say, well, it's going to happen yeah. next time. So we kept a good attitude and ended up um, scoring on a nice permit, getting the, the images and everything oh, wow. we needed and seeing lots of other cool stuff while we were down there. So um, that's a fun read, I think. We also cover, you know, we, we looked for some big uh, northern pike up in uh, northern Canada on the Cree River. And we have Rich Custick, um, who did a piece for us on, it's more of a technical piece, really a how to go about it if you if you're intimidated by uh, big water, especially Great Lakes type of stuff, and what to look for. Yeah. Um, so you give yourself the best best opportunities. So oh, and we have Matt Harris, who travels the world and fly fishes and shoots photos. Um, we had him do a piece on uh, chasing like a particular fish in uh, Chile and uh, and finally scoring on that. So good, good fun reads. Um, Chris Santella, who wrote uh, 50 uh, Best Places to Fly Fish Before You Die, I had yeah. him go through, and, and since we're in February, I had him write about um, 
11, you know, great experiences around the world that if you could, if you could have your dream year and you could do one a yeah. month this year, you know, these are the places <laughs> he'd go at those various times. Oh, so that's an awesome idea. And we also have, that. you know, our, our regular, we have a regular fly tying columns and we have uh, book reviews and th- there's one piece in here. Um, I had Alberto Ray uh, write a piece about this painting of his that uh, he created after fishing on the Bighorn River and taking a group of high school students down uh, to the Battle of Little Bighorn. And yeah. I asked him what the inspiration was behind behind it and uh, what were the difficulties in creating it. Um, what were his successes that he feels like that he did well in the painting? And was there anything left yeah. out that uh, he would have he, he would change if he could go back and do it? So I thought it was a very interesting take on on uh, fish art, you know? Yeah, that's wicked. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, additionally, we have a piece in there about winter steelhead fishing by Dave Garzinski, who isn't afraid of the cold and uh, maybe took the wrong friend with him because <laughs> about froze the guy <laughs> to death. And then uh, we have a, a, a nice suggestion for a drink that uh, Dana Stern put together for us. And uh, for the first time, we went ahead and or- incorporated some gear reviews in this edition. So there's just an awful lot of, of uh, good material that's, that's really well written and uh, should be a fun read for everybody. I'm excited uh, for all the feedback that we will get. And we have been getting some great feedback on this one, more than we have in the past awesome. issues. So that's exciting no, that's for amazing. us. Wicked. Well, everybody, you know, check out the magazine at uh, ffimagazine.com. And of course, we'll put the uh, link in the show notes to the show, but go and give it a read. It's full of, like you just heard, tons of amazing stuff. Uh, and uh, it's looking fantastic. So like Greg, amazing work. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. With FFI Magazine, what we're trying to do is really just bring enthusiasm to the sport and make people want to get out there and throw, whether it's on their home stream or getting to travel somewhere else in the world. So we put a lot of um, work into these pieces and uh, try and hit the you know unique points on on uh, what the experience is like. Amazing, I love it. Well, everybody, go check it out and, and give it a read. And uh, Greg, thanks so much for coming on to chat. Um, we'll chat again about the next issue. Looking forward to that one too. That sounds good. I really appreciate the opportunity. Wow, Erica, so cool. That was so fun to chat. Wasn't that fun? Yeah, that was so much fun. Yeah, so much fun. It's awesome to uh, to like meet her and and actually get to chat after you know following along with her adventures online and well, and the New York Times. Yeah. New York Times. I know. That's, that's so huge. cool. That's awesome. That is so awesome. That's so cool. Like and a yeah, one-on-one I mean, one interview with her. Demisha's been, you know, obviously since getting on her show and meeting Demisha, she's always, you know, uh, bigging up Erica. Yeah. So it was cool to actually, you know, have an actual conversation on like a DM slide kind of thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, what has happened since the Labs podcast? Well, I think the biggest thing we've been yelling at people about is that we're on YouTube now. So go check out our YouTube page because uh, we've got new stuff going on. And we started a new series called Day Trippin', where every 20th of every month, we're going to release another video of just a day trip on the river with us or the lake or whatever. And yeah, go check it out and hopefully subscribe if you like what you see. We're going to just keep going harder at the tube. Yeah, please like, mm-hmm. comment, and subscribe. <laughs> that, classic, that classic like, comment, subscribe. Like, comment, subscribe, but it actually does, uh, you know, it actually, it uh, yeah. influences the algorithm, shall we say. The robot, is it pleases yeah. the robot if you like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, but yeah, oh my God. yeah, I'm excited that we actually, yeah, we're putting together 
And of course, our podcasts will now also all be on YouTube with our beautiful faces on them. So you can do so you yeah. can watch that. And then we'll be doing a trip video on the 8th of every month, which is cool. Some will be from our back yeah. catalog of trips and some will be recent ones. And yeah, we're stoked. Share to share. Yeah, but you got your headphones working. I know. Uh, so the reason why it didn't work, because the volume wasn't on. Nice. <laughs> wow. That's so, such a classic ooh. Yilma thing. The Yilmaism. Yeah. The volume Yil- was off. It's funny. I've been calling, been called Yilmaism since elementary school. So Really? People Some said Yilmaism in elementary school? Okay. Well, maybe, maybe high school. <laughs> two, in grade two, that's a Yilmaism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a seven-year-old. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, did we... Well, hmm. wait. I guess. Hmm. Wait. I get. Wait. Okay. Wait. Wait. Yeah. Wait. Wait. Well, speaking of uh, Demetria and BGOW, last weekend we were in Tomogamy with um, uh, new crew. Her. New crew. Um, with Demetria led a group of eight ladies. Winter camping yeah. and ice fishing. Super fun. How mm-hmm. was it? It's great. I wasn't there. It was How awesome. Was it? I think. We had a we had a blast. Yilma and I had a blast anyway. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was great. They were it was one of the first crews that I've met after a winter camping trip that were just totally happy with everything. They were warm at night. They Sweet. Were, it was it was great. It went so smooth. It was awesome. Yeah, because you never know, right? Like yeah. I mean, even our Gosh, our trip, no. Mitch, that we did at the beginning of February, yeah. like it went down to minus thirty seven that first night, and we were fine. <laughs> but I mean. I've been warmer. Oh, you're fine. In the, yeah, you're fine in the bag. You know, like yeah. when you're in the bag, you're fine. Like yeah. your face is cold, but and you got to keep yeah. the fire going. Like winter camping can be oh, very comfortable. You know, I mean, in in that scenario, like it's not. I wouldn't say it's like tough, but it's like obviously tougher than summer camp. It's just more comfortable in summer camping because you, you know, you, it's cold and there's snow. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. to yeah, to hear that they had a great weekend with good weather and everything. I mean, that's oh, man. that's they, awesome. They and love- they caught some fish. Oh yeah, we snowshoeing. Yeah, we caught a walleye out of that lake, which that's a first because it's just a pile that's of cool. pike. So that so was now cool. this season we've seen a bass, a pike, and a walleye come out of there. That's pretty cool. And a pickerel. And a pickerel. Oh right, like, like an actual like, pickerel, like not a, in, not a, actual like an actual pike. chain pickerel. Yeah, chain grass pike, pike kind yeah. of. Yeah. Chain. Cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Very that cool. was that was great, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to no oh more spring. <laughs> I'm gonna be pre- I'm gonna be I'm straight up. I'm over winter. I'm over it. Oh my! God. At this time of year, every time, every single year, this time of year, it's like okay, like <laughs> I gotta get. I but Aldo, aren't you but, heading up again, ice fishing one more time before the season's out? Yeah. But I mean, and um, yeah, it'll be, and it'll be fun. But like, imagine how much more mm-hmm. fun it would be if uh, it wasn't winter. <laughs> yeah. And we were I'm like, and tomorrow, you, us three, we could go fly fishing. Well, yeah. it's starting to feel springier out there, mm-hmm. at least for me. Like I go out in the air, the days are getting longer. Air is starting to feel like uh, spring's coming. You can feel it. Just it just snowed. Yeah, but it wasn't like. Yeah, it's not snow. No, I know. You know the smell I mean. the smells different. The sun's different. coming out. Different. different. I mean, I'm definitely yeah, happy about the amount of snow, which means we'll have a lot more water in the river than last year. Like, oh my yeah. God, last year yeah. it was like opening day so was low. like midsummer lows. So hopefully with That's this crazy. snowpack, we've got, you know, a lot of good water and maybe yeah. make for a really great year, which is also oh, interesting yeah. where everybody in Southern Ontario, Toronto, GTA, might be seeing some steelhead in the upper credit because the flood that just happened flooded the dam that usually holds them from getting Uh into the upper stretches. So I'd be curious 
to know yeah. if there was a way to know, which there isn't really. <clears throat> if any of them wow. got up over the dam and up into the into stretches that normally they wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find so out. Get to, I guess we'll find Nature out. Nature finds a way. Butter stick. <laughs> yes, it does. Yum, yum, yeah, you're going to get a two weight? Really? Two weight? Yeah, I'm purchasing, I'm purchasing it right now. I don't now, know, yeah. man. They don't have the three you're in really stock. Doing and a I'm two. Like, you're really doing a two. Eh? But think about... Well, didn't Aldo catch a 24-inch brown on a two? But it's but it's a, well, Euro, not really. it's a Euro-nymphing rod, so it's different, right? Like, it's a, like the, sure. they might as well not weight, weight class them because you're not casting fly yeah. line. You know what I mean? True. Like, it's odd yeah. that they call them a two weight. I'm not... I'm just using 20 feet of leader. Yeah. yeah. So it's not... Yeah. I, but you're right. I, you're right. I did catch a really big fish on a very light rod. I, it's not yeah, ideal. Yeah, I guess... I guess a two-way, I, I mean, like, we've been at the upper credit for these little brookies, and, and you know, the three-way was great. I used all those, and but, like, what's, I feel like the streams are so narrow, you know? Yeah, I mean, the only play, the I mean you're buying a rod to use it there, you know, at that section of river for fish you're, that are, like, tiny. You're really, like, you're, it's a yeah. one-trick pony this, in this scenario. You're not going to, you're not going to fish that for browns. That, no, 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 no. I wasn't planning on using the butter stick for browns. Get it. So you I guess like that's the question is like, what else would stick. you use it for? Get it. You, you got, got a four or five weight butter, butter stick. stick the, yeah, or a five weight. You could like bat. All of a sudden, it's you like could use bass, bass and trout. Trout. Yeah, but I have a six weight sage. Yeah, for ripping streamers, okay. bro. Yeah, but you could yeah, use that six true. weight for everything. You're just buying another rod because it's nice looking and it's fun, right? Yeah. I'm not telling you not rod. to just like, you know, maybe what if they really, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, here's my opinion. You don't need a two weight, you know, no. you don't need a two weight, <laughs> but need, you need a butter or, stick cause they're sick. So just get another yeah, five sick. or four or five weight or even a, I'm getting a six weight butter stick. I have three six weight rods. I'm buying a six weight butter stick. Cause think about it. Right, cause they're sick. Cause, cause they're sick. Application of this fiberglass rod, right? It's probably, you're not going to rip streamers with it. Like giant streamers, right? No. Yeah. You're going to probably use it for dry flies right predominantly yeah. and maybe yeah. nymphing yeah not your own nymphing yeah, but so if you, you want know, like a like, nice dry fly rod you know you're like i'm gonna get a specific dry fly rod for like those hatches you know after work mm -hmm. get that and get a five-way butter stick four-way butter stick four-way butter put stick. a big old bend and you just bring a, that out for hatches you know and yeah. honestly it would like yeah. when i was in texas and we were on that bass pond like i was using a six-way Five butter uh butter stick but um mm -hmm. aaron had a three weight fiberglass rod from barkley fly rods and he was putting huge bass on the three weight really okay. and so like weight, uh, eh? on a three weight but it mind is, you they can't turn over mind you, you can't turn over a big fly though so that's why the four weight right. might My, be sweet because you can turn over a popper yeah. slam a three three pound bass it's gonna True. sound like it's gonna feel like a freight train so I've question for you, understood. the tilt reel, the, the tilt reel, the Euronymphing, why do they call the yeah. Euronymph reel? Um, like what's... So um, it's a few things. It's a, it's a, it's a, like the, the design is really narrow. It's really meant mm. to like, so the, the reel, the reel in Euronymphing, at least for me, is it's got to balance your rod really well. Like balance is really important with Euronymphing. Like it's always important right. when you're buying fly rods to try and balance your reel. You don't want to put a 10 weight reel on a two weight, obviously. But like mm -hmm. with the cool thing with the tilt is it has weights in it that can be removed or, or added. So you can balance your 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 approach and, and sense strikes better. 
The other thing is right. it's got a really great drag, which is actually important, not because this trout is going to take you into your backing, but it's there to, you know, like, you know, you know, I fish 7X for big, you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. you get a fish, you do, <laughs> you know, you get a pretty big fish on it. You need that good drag to protect your knots and, and, and fight the fish properly. And, and so that's what I think. Also, the tilt just looks sick. I love the font on it. Oh, I like. Wow, the tilt is so but nice. But the drag huh? is great. Not... The 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 drag is great. The removable weights is an interesting dynamic to the whole thing. How much I'll actually mm-hmm. use it, I don't know. Um, and uh, but honestly, the tilt could just be. I think it, you can put a hundred yards of backing on it with up to a five weight line. It's actually just kind of a nice mm-hmm. reel, but it is a lot slimmer. It's slim, yeah. Or it's okay. very slim. And it's a well, one yeah. size. I mean, it's one size fits like it's a one size reel. Like it doesn't have different, you know, yeah, uh, diameters. Yeah, no different. Yeah. Well, it looks like I just purchased um, a four weight, three four rise reel, silver, and a four weight butter stick. Nice. There you go. That's. I think that's a better idea. Like those brookies yeah. on a four weight are gonna feel big too. You know, like I've never understood the two weight yeah. thing to be honest. Like I don't, I don't need to have a bigger fight. Like I don't get. I'm not like, oh, right. I want to really feel this fish I think, like I, that's just me I don't, i'm well, just not you know right but with me I'd get the fish i feel in. like i know i i used my four weight once for brookies and i just felt like i'm like i was killing them so when i used all i felt more gentle using like all those three weight so that that was mm-hmm. my concern but i guess the butter stick at a, at a four is even that much more gentler because remember my my Fenwick four is, is well. It's um, also how you set the hook in when you get excited. Don't fucking launch the fish out of the water. <laughs> no, I'm just seeing you no. Like, Whoa, that's how, like a little two how, inch. What's trip. the length on the four? <laughs> seven six. Ooh, yeah, nice. nice. That's a nice. That's yeah. gonna be a nice dry rod. You that's gonna be a good. I'm telling you, man. Uh, take that to Mitchie's yeah. cottage. Put a popper on it. Slam a couple oh, of bass. Yeah, you're gonna sure. love that. Large mouth. Or even panfish. <laughs> yeah, like you get mouth. a rock bass or rock bass or a sunfish on it. That's gonna be so fun. Get a bluegill a on there and those weeds in that pond. A crappie. A black crappie? I've never caught, I've never, <laughs> a white I've never caught a crappie. I've never caught a crappie. Really? Have you guys ever caught a crappie? Oh, yeah, tons. No. In the Ottawa no, River, I've man? Big time. And the Mississippi? I've never caught a crappie. Oh, yeah. I fished both. That's where I learned to fish. I never caught they're one. They're basically, when you catch them, they're a sock. <laughs> they don't, right, they don't do like anything. They fall out. They're supposed to be delicious. Yeah, they're supposed to be really delicious. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I will say, uh, Yelma, that's a good purchase. And uh, the tilt reel is awesome. It's like a beautiful reel. Like just if you're going to get an Euro rig, like it's sick. Uh, yeah. But I'm doing the I'm doing the butter stick, too. And I'm, I'm going to get a we're all going to a six weight one for, for bass. I'm going to get a six weight just for bass. It's going to be like a bass rod. Also, that I guess cool. I could use it for streamer fishing. Dude, too, though, also, for trout, yeah. the six weight, I put a couple redfish on because uh, Gene, wow. Gene had it down there. Uh, when we were down yeah. there in November and then gifted it to Joe, which was very nice. Yeah. So um, yeah. actually we didn't use it while Gene was there, but after Gene left, Joe, when Joe and I was just him and I were just fuck, like messing around. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. And, and scouting some spots. Yeah. I put two or three fish on it. It was buck wild. Cool. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> like red fish on a, luckily we didn't, a stick. Luckily we didn't put on a big any big fish on it because i don't know how that would have went but like those like the smaller fish were like yeah. a hoot on it it was like hilarious the thing was like folded in half <laughs> yeah, it was yeah awesome. that. that's cool well it's either that although or oh, here we go sorry i'm going back again <laughs> or i i, I go for uh i yeah. go for a spay, a spay rod setup 
Well, you don't like uh, I don't, steel heading, I don't like so it, but just to have it. <laughs> I wouldn't. Well, d- d- decide that in August, you know? Yeah, if anything, get a switch rod. Yeah. Got a yeah. huge fishing season coming up, you know, bass trout, everything else. Like, don't get a rod you can't use till October. Do that in September. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Or get a switch rod because then you can. Yeah, but come on, what are you doing? You can spay fish and, or indicator fish. Yeah, I might get a yeah, switch. Uh, Rob's Rob at Drift, his his six was amazing. I loved using it. Oh, the his Sage. Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. It's a nice rod. Beautiful. Beautiful Sage X. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, everybody at home, thank you so much for listening. I think that's uh I think that's an episode. And and Erica, thank you so much for coming on. Mm-hmm. Um uh thank you for listening. Thank you for coming on. Right. And uh Thank you. That's it for me, Mitch. Aldo. Yeah, thank, thanks so much. I can't believe this is coming out on March 1st. Thank God it's March. <laughs> yes, true of that. Yeah, thank uh, the Lord. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, thanks for listening, folks. Yeah, great. Everybody have a fantastic day, uh, evening, whatever it might be for you listening, and uh, take care. Comb your hair. <laughs> you can find all of our content at SoFly.ca. Reach out via email by sending your questions or comments to info at SoFly.ca. Find us on Instagram at the SoFly Crew. Thanks for listening. <laughs>